0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the top 10 of anything podcast.
3: Let's start the
2: countdown. We're here. Let's get on with it, Anna. Give us your number ten, please.
4: My number ten is "I Want to Be Adored" by the Stone Roses. Oh,
3: great right. song. Great song. Uh-huh. I forgot it. But great song.
4: <laughs> Thanks. so long ago. It was uh, the year I graduated high school. It came out. So hmm. yeah, long time ago. Right.
2: Eighty nine. It. Mm. Yeah, it probably was. Well, I mean, it's going to be. Hopefully, somewhere in the '80s. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah,
4: I did my research.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. so a good. The song. big um, Stone Roses fan.
4: Not necessarily. It was just the the song was very timely. Um, it was actually something my brother called to my attention, and I was. We always had very similar taste in music, and it was kind of we would rock out together with it when it came on. So it just. Like I said before, a lot of it was just where it stood in my memory. So mm. it's something I really enjoyed.
2: Yeah. I've never been a Stone Roses fan.
5: Do you know, know. It's like one or two songs.
3: Me. It surprises me, pal.
2: What? It like really I'm not a Stone Roses yeah.
3: fan? Why? I mean, uh, there's a lot of like links between them and Oasis. Some of the sounds and things like that. Right. Definitely. Now,
2: St- Stone Roses is Ian Brown on yeah, vocals, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, I could never get into his like style of singing. Right. It always seemed to be very sort of monotone, sort of like one... Mm. But I don't know. I mean, like I say, it's, it, I've, I've spoken to so many people that are like a massive Stone Roses fans and they just bite into Stone Roses completely. Yeah. But, but when they
3: reformed and did their um, latest tours whenever it was pre-COVID... They were huge, weren't they? It was Wembley Stadium-sized venues. Um, Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! They
2: were massive when they came back. So, but then didn't the Ian Brown did some solo stuff as well, didn't he? A lot of solo stuff. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's weird because they were definitely of the whole Manchester scene, weren't they? Where, where? Who else was it? You had a Stone Roses, obviously Oasis, and yeah, there was a. the whole Britpop thing, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it, was, what it was literally. It was, like, it was, they were like the birth of Britpop. Yeah. Me. yeah. And there at the beginning, so. Okay. Well, that's a good way to start. That's great a good song, way to start. See, number song, 10's Anna. done, Anna. It's done and it's out the way. <laughs> Gone, in Neil.
3: You're number 10. Uh, mine's The Cure, In Between Days. Okay. Which is probably not the song that a lot of people would have chosen of The Cures, but it's the one that... I've listened to the most on my playlist but I like it it's a bit more upbeat than their usual stuff I mean I do love The Cure anyway it's Um, a
4: great song yeah I saw the Cure 11 Rockets and the Pixies at Dodger Stadium like in 88-89 it was an awesome tour
3: envious envious trying to get tickets for The Cure now is I don't know how you get them because they sell out in seconds but I think they're an awesome live band and an awesome band but that song just yeah it's 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 you know, a bit more of an upper one for them, and yeah, I just really like it. It's sort of like it's part of my soundtrack to the eighties. It's what I remember because um, I remember buying the vinyl "Staring at the Sea," um, the, the greatest hits, their eighties one,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and just, <clears throat> which I've still got to this day on um, the same vinyl, and I still play it. It's a great album. You don't realize how many great tracks they had in the eighties. It's
4: the first vinyl I ever bought at Tower Records with my own money. Really? So, yeah, I think was that eighty five, eighty
3: six? Yeah, we, yeah, about eighty six. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So it's like fifteen. So would you say that the Cure, because the Cure are massive in America, aren't they? They are, they are like absolutely. Yeah. Are they yeah, bigger in America sure. than in Britain? Do you think, Neil?
3: Um, no, no, I think they're about the same. I think worldwide they're huge. If you look at like their European tours, they sell out within seconds. I I, I might be mistaken, and somebody will correct me. Um, I think they're the band that holds the record for selling out... Is it the Hollywood Bowl, the fastest? Wow. Mm. I don't know that, but
4: it sounds interesting.
3: Their tickets... I mean, when they did Hyde Park a few years ago, I tried to log on, and they were gone within an hour and a half. Yeah. They were just gone. I thought, well, I'm not paying the extra fee to buy a resale, but... No, no.
2: Yeah. one thing, day. Yeah, well... Look, as everybody knows if they've listened to the musical versions of our podcast i'm not the most cutting edge when it comes to my choices of music as you'll find out as you'll find out with my top 10 you'll find out that i'm a i'm a soppy apath, as we say in america uh, as we say in the uk um anna um when it comes to music as like i say you'll you'll find out on my top 10 okay so that was your number 10 then neil uh, just a quick my- question perhaps. do you like the cure though I, I like some of their songs but i like right. i'm one of these people that's like i like some of the hits yeah. i wouldn't say that i've delved really deep into the cure i mean love cats is a great song mm-hmm. um friday i'm in love is a great song but i didn't even realize that that i've heard that song that you've chosen before but i didn't realize it was called in between days Oh, there you go. So so there you go. I've learned something already. Always learning. Always. That's this podcast, Neil, where everybody is always learning. Okay, my number 10 is um, from a duo, Daryl Hall and John Oates. It's Out of Touch, which now I've loved Daryl Hall and John Oates for, I don't know how long, because it was one of those groups that my mum and dad would always play on a Sunday morning. And for some reason, this is a song that I absolutely adore they've done so many good private eyes is a great song manny is a great song and his voice is just to die for he's got one mm-hmm. of the most soulful voices i think you'll ever hear in your life um but yeah out of touch is my favorite daryl hall and johnny song and it was the one out of my top 10 that could have easily have dropped out and there were like 40 others that could have been number 10 but for me that's oh, a great song. It's just a great song, it is great and there's a great version. Um, Daryl Hall did a uh, a video series when it was like live from Daryl's house or something. It's on YouTube, and he did an yeah. amazing version of this with uh, Katie Tunstall, and she's there playing the glockenspiel or whatever it is, doing the ding 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 bits. Fantastic! If you get a chance to watch that, I'll put that on the video playlist for our uh, Patreon. As it's fantastic. Okay, uh, Andy, you're number nine. Planet Terror. Oh, that's my number eight. There we go. Okay.
3: But I put the Grindhouse because I prefer it together in the Grindhouse version on its own. Yeah, I think it's part two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the same for both movies
7: uh, off a Grindhouse. Like, Death Mm. is a lot better when it's got 20, 25 minutes cut off it. Absolutely. Um, This is... It's just the kind of ultimate B
6: movie.
7: Mm. Um, It's again going into kind of schlocky violence and he's not in a huge amount actually Bruce Willis he plays the kind of the the, colonel yeah and he's kind of the protagonist for a certain element of the characters Um, it's just gross and horrible and if you want to see Tarantino's balls fall off. If you don't like him, then that's a movie for you. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. there's some great schlocky gore in it. If you like a mm. bit of gore, it's it's great. Some great yeah. melting scenes and mm. things.
2: Lieutenant yeah. Muldoon. There you go, go. Lieutenant like, Muldoon. Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. I, I, God, that's been. So what year was that? 2007. I haven't mm. seen that for ages. Yeah. It was just that the, that whole thing, wasn't it? Where where Tarantino was trying to bring the the Grindhouse movie back. Yeah. And it looked really
3: good. I mean they did. All the, all the you know, the bad photography, the slashes, the burns on the screen, and those fake adverts, which I think are absolutely fucking genius. Yeah. Especially Edgar Wright's one. I love that. Well so I much so that
2: then then um Machete ended yeah, up becoming like uh, two mo- two movies they made yeah. out of that, didn't they? It's horrible with a shotgun one as well. Yeah, that's right. It
7: came, that became like, a movie as yeah,
2: well. With Hauer in the yeah,
8: mineral.
2: yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. seen that one, but I've seen movie. Machete. Yeah, uh. yeah. Good stuff. Oh yeah. God, I want to see Machete again. I haven't because it wasn't the second one. Wasn't Mel Gibson the body in the second one? He was. Yeah, yeah that's killed yeah. machete kills that's right and then it ended up with like the, it's almost like a trailer at the end where it was going to machete in space space with, yeah <laughs> which he nearly, machete nearly became made. a lightsaber didn't it
3: <laughs> very nearly made it Robert Rodriguez said in an interview know. he was that close to making it so I would have the, watched
2: that I mean, yeah, but where, where do people stand on Robert Rodriguez because I, I don't he, know whether he's a bad filmmaker because I watched that I watched that um shark girl and no lava. Oh. oh my god, I know it's not for me. I know no. it's a kid thing. But yeah. Jesus, it is crap. It is crap. But it it, do you know so what
3: The whole thing was? Was him experimenting with his FX ready for sin yeah. City. I think mm. that's all it was. Do you
2: think? Yeah, genuinely. Because even yeah. things like that and and the the spy kids, the, the special effects are so bad in it.
3: Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He was prepping it for Sin City, and I genuinely do. Oh, He's wow. a director that, when when he first came out, because I think Desperado and uh, not so fond of Once Upon a Time in Mexico, but Desperado, I think it's fucking genius. Yeah, I think it's a great film. Brilliant movie. Yeah, and, and A lot of his other stuff, I think, has been fantastic. The faculty is brilliant. Mm and and things like that I, I, I put money on him back in the 90s that he'd be a director that would go on to win an Oscar how wrong I was yeah. <laughs> but I still think he's got that that vision I think he's a great visionary
2: yeah, he's in. I mean, look, he's in. He's in with the new Star Wars yeah. now, isn't he? So he's he's doing a lot of that sort of stuff. But, but yeah, I think my my kids or my my grandkids were watching the what is it Shark Girl and Lava Shark Shark, yeah. shark Girl and
7: Lava the, the Adventures of Shark Shark Boy and Lava Girl so I've got Shark and Lava Girl.
2: And I was I sat there for like ten minutes with my mouth f- gaping open, thinking, "What the hell is
3: this? This is awful." But also that was in the 2000s and the, the effects from the 2000s have dated terribly now. Hmm. That might be a lot of the
2: problem. Jurassic Park yeah. was 1993. Yeah, and that hasn't dated, but a lot of the It shit, hasn't dated. It's no. just as good. You could watch no, that now and still think it was coming out. I this agree,
3: year. but there you've got a lot of stuff that people consider with great movies like The Mummy and The Mummy Returns and all of that, and you watch it back and yeah. the, the effects are shocking.
2: Yeah, I'm not knocking him. I like I like him as a as a mm. filmmaker. It's just that sometimes on some of these films where it feels like he's <laughs> making them for his kids. Yeah, yeah and that's what like... he did. He, he said
3: it, yeah. didn't he? He yeah. did say he's making them for his children. Yeah, the other one that I watched recently that everybody thinks is a classic, Blade Two. The effects in Blade Two are shocking.
2: Right? Are they? I'm literally literally that. shocking. That's the one with um, is it Luke or Matt Goss? One of the one of the Luke one of the, mm. one, yeah. one of the Guillermo Toro is the director. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Go on then, Neil, you number nine. So, I hate this word,
3: and we've used it a lot in other things. Um, guilty pleasure movie, Armageddon, makes no fucking sense. That's
2: my number two. Is it?
3: <laughs> yeah, it oh makes, yeah. <laughs> I it fucking love no that movie. It makes no sense, but I would say it's a brilliant fairground ride. <laughs> it, it is, really absolutely. It's just make... for fun. <laughs> um, it's Michael Bay when we could all tolerate Michael Bay. Just... Um, they just yeah Yeah. just I mean that and The Rock is probably the only things but yeah it's it's fun isn't it I mean that's all we can put it as and Bruce Willis is very very good in that sort of role as it is
2: yeah he's the only person that could drill a nuclear warhead into an asteroid yeah. to save the save the world. He's the only person that they could pick to do that. That's right. Where tap. they had to
3: pick miners or these drillers to become astronauts and not astronauts to be involved.
7: Yeah. Uh, someone asked brutalized. him that,
3: he, someone yeah. asked him that
7: on
2: the set, didn't they? And he just told them to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's got yeah, it's totally ridiculous. And we've spoken to that about that about the movie before, but yeah. uh but Bruce Willis is perfect in that movie. He is. He, he is perfect is. in that movie. I think, movie. It, to be fair, the whole movie is brilliantly cast. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a great movie. It's like, it's totally ridiculous. And you can tell that a lot of the people are there for the paycheck. Um, well, you know, right to be so. Because absolutely. it was a, a huge
3: yeah. film, wasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. It was massive when it came out. Absolutely. It was the two together, wasn't it? That and Deep Impact. And okay. Armageddon's smacked Deep Impact back out into the atmosphere.
2: Very good Neil Very. <laughs> Not in your top 10 then Andy No, no I don't Ooh, have that I, um, Interesting
7: I mean it's got one of the iconic kind of theme tunes as well doesn't it with yeah. Aerosmith and that's a great song I don't know I just mm, I mean it, it could have been in my top 10 I mean these are quite interchangeable at times it just depended on my mood when I wrote it Um as it kind of goes on, but no, it's just one that I've never, never been a huge fan of. I think as well that it was. I mean, I preferred it to Deep Impact, but
2: um that's uh, easy enough to say, because that? Be <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more memorable than Deep Impact. Put it that way. Mm, so, aye, definitely. Regardless of obviously, you know, the believability or or whatever, but. It's great with the fact that everybody that is in it, although the story is absolutely ridiculous, everybody's playing it straight. Everybody's playing it like it's you know they're they're not they haven't got you know a nod and a wink going. Yeah, we know this is ridiculous. And there's bits in it that, like, like I've said before, do genuinely get me in the feels. You know the the what's his name? Who's the Patton? Will Patton. Will Patton. That's right. When he's when he comes home, and then his estranged girlfriend or whatever, or wife. And his son comes running round the corner. That always gets me. And and just Bruce Willis on the rock and we win Gracie and oh, it's just fun. It's, it's, it's a good old fashioned roaring romp, yes. Exactly. It's a very nineties disaster movie. It definitely yeah. feels like a nineties movie. Like,
7: yeah. Um, I have rewatched it. It's not that I've never rewatched it and I just don't like I, we have a dislike for it or anything but um, yeah it definitely feels like his opening scene and he's teeing off at the Greenpeace boat when he's That's just trying to right. them all <laughs> and everything and yeah I mean yeah it's, an, it's a, a good enjoyable movie I don't have any kind of hatred towards it or anything
2: yeah okay I'm just didn't make the cut make the cut no my, my number 9 was 12 Monkeys
8: <laughs> um, right Jocelyn and your number 8 please so my number 8 again already even alluded to a little bit is Kate Blanchett and Hot Fuzz um, great little cameo again. Had to be pointed out that it was her. Mm. You know, she's she's a comedian. Isn't she, Kate Blanchett. She's absolutely brilliant. I picked her because I love the film. Because I love the cameo. The fact that they got like one of the greatest actors in the world to play Sam Pegg's girlfriend for for two minutes. A couple of good jokes in there about you know seeing Bob. That's not Bob. Hello there. That you know that all, yeah. that, all that all that bit. Um, I also I, I'll be honest. I didn't I didn't have many ladies. I thought I should probably have some 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 ladies in there as well. Um, mm. Yeah, great little cameo, good little film. She's in it, as I say, with Peter Jackson, but I didn't want to double up and be like Peter Jackson and Kate or whatever. But uh, so, I, so I picked her. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant cameo.
2: And it's a perfect cameo because you don't you, all the way through her performance. You have no idea that it is her because she's got a mask on. Yeah.
8: yeah. Unless it's not really, like she really takes the
2: mask off. Yeah. 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 She didn't take the mask off and you go, Oh my god, it's Kate Blanchett. It's not until mm. the end. And I think um Joe Cornish is in that episode in, in that
8: scene as well. I think he is one of the techs. I think he's one yeah. of the A C S. He might techs. even be the one that says hello. Yeah, hello
2: there. Yeah, hello there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's he's definitely one of them. yeah, and like Peter Jackson as well. Yeah. yeah. Um as the crazy Santa. And of course, he cameoed in his own movie, didn't he? Fellowship of the Ring. He, he was a drunk yeah. in the village, wasn't he? Yeah. He did. Not the yeah. first director to do that. No. Maybe he'll come up maybe he'll come later. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Neil, your number eight was Daniel Craig. It was. Wakens. My number eight was uh, alluded to on the um, the little drops. Excelsior. Uh, the king of cameos uh, in the MCU world, Stanley. Uh, I'm going to put that in as number t- uh, my, as my number two, but
3: I've put all of them because yeah, so did I. Like, yeah, that's my number two.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it became a point where you would that you'd be looking forward to seeing Stanley in whatever cameo. No matter, I mean, some of them were like pointless, some of them were like really really funny.
8: Can you think of a favorite Stanley cameo?
2: I, I in, can't remember which end. movie it was, but the one when he was the librarian.
8: And the stuff, uh, all the shit was going on uh, behind him. that's Spider-Man. Him. Man, that's Spider-Man. That
2: was Spider-Man.
8: The first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man.
2: Ah, so that's what what was it. Was it? It, you then, yeah. is it? Oh, yeah. Okay, that was still my yeah. favourite. <laughs> no, I it's, it's still a cameo. He's is it he? I mean,
8: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah not... I love the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 one because they confirm that he's a watcher. That's <laughs> right, yes. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. So that sort of encompasses all of them because he says, and then I was this, and then I was this. Mm. Or, um... The Tony Stank one's pretty funny. Are you Tony? Tony <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to hear that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, is a good one. that is a good one. Neil. What's your favourite? I was just trying to
3: think. Actually, I mean,
8: mole rats. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah but that's a great. <laughs> which great he is. Cameo, with, which he is it? reading in Captain Marvel. That's right. That's right. He, so he is. It's he's like a cameo. Me... In, whilst he's reading about a cameo, Smith yeah. made a big
3: deal about that. Layers.
8: Yeah. Yeah
3: um yeah I don't know I don't know um Tony Stank maybe that is funny that is a great one <laughs> I just love them all they're just still, like Pav said you know you you ended up watching them to try and spot him and then find out I mean it became easier and easier as they went on but yeah it's just to me they were almost the cameos of all cameos aren't they yeah. Because he was there pretty much in every... Well, he was there in every one until he sadly went, wasn't he? Yeah.
2: Um, in the original Iron Man, Iron Man, I think it was the Hugh Hefner one, wasn't it? Which was yeah, quite well, funny.
3: Well, you go back to the um, toby Maguire sp- uh, Spider-Mans. So, I mean, he's there, isn't he? he pushes the person out, or pulls the person out of the way with the falling debris yeah. and all of yeah. that. So, yeah. Oh, he, bless did him. Did he cameo in any of the Blades? Because they were sort of the first of the marvelly
8: sort I of... Can't, I can't... I can't... I? I can't recall but I'd be very surprised he if he rots off in Blade <laughs> but he is in Deadpool so yeah, that's an exactly. 18 so was he in Deadpool was he? he's a DJ in a strip club that's right yes yeah. is. It is. he is yes
3: so I, I, he's definitely not in the first one of Blade definitely unless I, unless he's really hidden <laughs> I can't remember the other two
2: what year was Blade? 98? 98 98 yeah let me have a look I'll have a look and see 'Cause I'd be intrigued to know. No, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't no. look like
3: it according to uh... So the Spider Man, the Toby Maguire, you know, the Sam Raimi Spidermans were where mm. he started his cameos Yeah, I think
8: so. I think he was so. in Muppets. Unless maybe. he
3: appeared in The Punisher. <laughs> The Dolph Lundgren one. <laughs>
8: uh, again, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no more. Or the uh, the weird nineties Captain America starring JD Salinger's son. Oh yeah. <laughs> Strangest, weirdest th- like thing. They got the catch and the author of catching their eyes' son to play Captain America because he's American. Like yeah, it's bizarre, weird. Isn't what it? a weird idea.
3: And then there was the Roger Corman, which you can see clips of, but I don't think anybody's seen the fantastic the, form. The one was,
8: do you know why they made that? So they wouldn't lose the rights. Ah, there you go. So they made a film as cheaply and as poorly as they could so that they wouldn't lose the rights and then they could then make another Fantastic Four film.
2: There was a version of it on YouTube, I'm
8: pretty sure. No, you can can get hold of it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a a Doctor Strange from 1974 as well, which I've got a copy of somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really weird.
2: So the the first um, MCU cameo that he did was for... X-Men. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, 2000. 2000. he was yeah. a hot dog vendor. That's right.
6: right.
2: Oh, Bless him. Excelsior. Indeed. <laughs> okay, Jen, your number seven, please.
9: Well, I think you mentioned it before, and I've had this book since high school, but it's a wonderful life.
2: Uh, that's my number three.
9: Yeah. So, 1946, Frank Capra. Uh, of course, the great Jimmy Stewart. Um, But that that's, if that's on, I've watched it so many times. I could probably do all the dialogue.
2: Hello, movie house. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, old building
9: alone. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah,
9: it's, yeah, it's just, it's just the sweetest, most darling thing. And, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't a big success when it came out because um, it it gets pretty dark and people were coming home from the war and did not want to see that. Um, I think you, the best years of our lives was the big movie that year that that won a lot of the awards. And if you if you've ever seen that, like what was going on in America at that time, that makes more sense. So this wasn't it was kind of forgotten that the critics liked it, but that was about it. So, but now it's, you can see it anywhere because the copyright lapsed. That's right. So, yeah. Mm. So now, like Yeah. That's why it's on all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so lucky us. <laughs> indeed. Yeah.
2: Indeed. Now we've, we've spoken about this movie at length on our Christmas movies episode with, uh, with Ali, uh, Ali McKay. Um, It's one of my favorite movies of all time, without a doubt. I put it on whether it's Christmas or not. I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, Mm. Neil, oh, I'll talk about it. Okay, (laughs) okay. Uh, What's your number seven then, Neil? Uh,
3: So it's another Jimmy Stewart film, and it's Harvey. Not many people have seen this. I know. Oh Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically. Sorry.
9: Harvey's a puka.
3: Yeah, that's it. It's basically a guy who's got an imaginary friend of a six-foot rabbit. Um, As crazy as that sounds, Jimmy Stewart's performance makes you believe in the end. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's funny. It's moving. It has everything you could possibly want out of a sweet, sweet comedy like that. And I love it. And I went to see it on stage and my mind recalled... I forget who played the lead role in The West End. And again... You 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 started to believe yourself. There was this six foot rabbit walking around with him. I mean, it's not a Donnie Darko style rabbit. Let's put that out there for anybody <laughs> listening. Modern, it's a bit more warm and heartwarming, uh, uh, a thing. But I would highly recommend anybody to see it. I mean, that is basically the premise: is a guy that has a friend of a six foot rabbit, imaginary right. or not? You tell me once you watch it. But it's
9: but and everyone around him thinks. Are they, yeah are they trying to get him to the,
2: the asylum yeah, yeah yeah basically yeah and
9: yeah, yeah.
2: I've, never seen it. Oh, I've never seen it i'll tell I you the only it on blu-ray uh, oh i've got nothing to play it on the oh, playstation no. anyway um the, the only clip i've seen of that is that there's a clip of that on the tv in field of dreams that kevin costner's daughter is watching with um, jimmy stewart that's the only clip i've seen of that but i again a lot of people mentioned harvey so i I need to find that one out it's a wonderful like i said funny
3: and heartwarming story it really is and it's jimmy stewart i mean we forget what a great great actor that man really was we really do i mean he isn't mentioned enough as one of the greats and i think he is
9: He was, um, when I lived in LA, I, I sang in the choir at Beverly Hills Presbyterian Church right on Rodeo Drive. And that had been Jimmy Stewart's church. Um, not when I was there, obviously, but they would tell, so he read the Christmas, the, at the Christmas time, he read the Nativity um, mm. passage. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, just being in the same place, thinking about him there, it was really wow.
2: cool. Yeah yeah that's that's they're the sort of stories aren't they that's i mean i think people don't realize that like the the classic hollywood stars it was it was obviously a different time because they didn't have camera phones shoved in their faces all the time they could get away with a lot more you know but they were also like i said in the intro mysterious because the only time you saw them were on the silver screen
9: or on the, Osc- the Oscars. at oh, the started. Oscars. It was like the Oscars were much more magical because that was really the only time we saw them. Yeah. yeah. Out in the world. <laughs> That's why I remember I
2: remember watching things. We've got, um, or we had a, uh, uh, an interviewer called Michael Parkinson on a Saturday night.
6: Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 And, you, and he would sometimes get, say, a Jimmy Stewart or a Bob Hope. And that was the only time you saw them talking in real life right and you, and you think oh my god you know they are actual human beings whereas now everybody is plastered on you, you know the mystery the mystery is just gone yeah. you,
4: right. know,
2: you, you see everybody's warts and all you know yeah you know in every courtroom these days now like you yeah. said earlier on <laughs> mm-hmm. um okay so my number seven um was a film i came to very very late but it's an all-time classic is citizen Kane? so that's my number four that's your number four I can remember watching th- that shot of um, Citizen of, of, uh when it's like above when he's standing on all the newspapers. Yeah. For years, I thought that was Bob Hope. <laughs> for years, I thought I didn't realise Bob Hope was in Citizen Kane. That doesn't seem like the right sort of movie for him to be in. Because yeah. if you look at it, he looks like Bob Hope.
9: And that's the only scene he's in. That's so yeah.
2: Why is he standing on a load of newspapers, looking up at the camera and not making a joke? That's just crazy. And then uh, the first time, I, I guarantee, I knew that he wasn't in the movie, but the, ty- the first time I watched it, I was waiting for there to be like a cameo of Bob Hope. Even then, I knew he wasn't in it. No. Um, but it broke down the barriers of how movies were made. Absolutely. You know, Set up of the shots, the narrative, it changed the narrative, yeah. the, the the way that shots were composited and you know bleeding into each other, mm. it's, and the
9: non-linear storytelling and the different points of view. Yeah,
2: yeah. it was an it, abso- It's an absolute masterclass, and and the fact he was so young and did everything. I know is just crazy. And it's a pretty good story as well. So
3: it, I think it's a great story. It's a great film. I mean, it gets you, I mean, gets you straight away, doesn't it? It hooks you in. It reels you straight in. But, oh, it's just, it's wonder. And it, it doesn't apologise for taking its time, which no, is what I no, like. I no. really like that. It's It's, everything is there. And the fact that, you know the twist. I mean, hey, we should all know now that the, the rosebud whole rosebud of it all is thing. Yeah. It shows that the man is human. Yeah, you know, he wasn't this monster and mogul tycoon, whatever.
2: It just, yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's great, yeah. great movie, great yeah.
6: movie.
2: Yeah, there are certain movies that are good that they're not. I mean, the Hateful Eight for a, mm. a, a, is one that is, and I've said it before, unapologetically slow. Yeah, and it's yeah. great that it builds and builds and builds and there's there's nothing wrong with that some movies feel like three hours long when they're not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the ones that are bad it's the ones that are like two hours two and a half hours and they just yeah. are slow but they feel they should be mm. Yeah, they, they take their time
9: it, it, it pained me not to put it on the list pained me it was very difficult
2: yeah I feel your pain Jen I yeah, do because yeah. there's loads that should be on the list It should be a top 100
9: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Helen, your number six, please.
10: My number six is hang on one, two, three, four. I've gone for Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Now we're getting into the talkers, Mm, right? While they die. Okay. Um, but the the whole speech about you know, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Sea beams, uh, blah, and uh, just look. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a great, great performance from Rutger Howard. There's a lot of controversy over who actually wrote the speech. Mm. Um, but whoever wrote it, they did a a hell of a job. It's an incredible send-off for that character, and it and it just flips the whole movie almost on its head, and you start Mm. thinking. Well, he isn't the bad guy. I mean, yes, he killed a bunch of people, and okay, that's not ideal. But so is our putative hero. And now I feel like you know Deckard is a bit of a dick, really. So <laughs> dickard, <laughs> Dickards, Dickards. <laughs> yes. So um, so yeah, I I think it's I think it's extraordinary. I think it's amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, and beautifully yeah. shot again.
10: Beautifully shot. Yeah, Beautiful. Ridley Scott. Yeah. He knows what he's doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's not bad, so. is he? Ridley he's Scott. not bad. He's, he's not not quite bad. good at the lighting thing. <laughs> yeah. He? It's
10: all right. We are here with the controversial takes today. <laughs> oh, the Godfather, quite good. <laughs> oh, also God. Ridley Scott.
2: This podcast is going to go viral because of our <laughs> outlandish <laughs> views. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's probably a stupid question, but what version of Blade Runner is your favourite?
10: Oh, Um. I mean, I know it's not the fashionable answer, but like theatrical is the one that I watched most. I have yeah. now watched the final cut. I realize I don't need the narration. But um but I just like that's the way I first saw it and that's the way I still think of it. So probably I just need to watch the final cut like 10 15 more times. Maybe and then I will then I will come around to what I'm told is the correct way of thinking. But um but yeah, it's probably theatrical for me first and foremost.
3: Neil? Uh, final cut. now yeah but it was nice when they released that box set with everything and then yes uh, yes. of, and you got to see every version that they released it was interesting to revisit the narration because that was the only version we saw for years that's right and you know and it was quite quite nice to see it again with the narration through Uh, i know it's not great but it was it was
2: warming to see it again (laughs) And the big question—it was 2019. Where are those flying cars? That's what I, I know. I seriously, come on, guys! For goodness' sake, haven't you got one? Not yet. Well, have but, you got one, Neil? Have you? Yeah. That's because you? you and Elon Musk—you like oh, that, and yeah. yeah, we are.
11: Okay.
2: Yeah. It's maybe We've not a good thing to <laughs> say. We've both right? got li- <laughs> Lynx
3: brands named after us. <laughs> really? NRG okay. and Musk. Oh right.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, Neil, number six was Hans Gruber it certainly was uh my number six was one that had me crying 13 times when i went to see it at the cinema and it's han solo in the force awakens
10: oh um yeah.
2: it made me watch a new hope in a different way because it made me sort of like not want to watch a new hope because i'm watching this young virile cocky han solo who's not got a care in the world that just wants to go off and just have adventures and i'm thinking mate in like 30 odd years time your son is gonna kill you (laughs) he's just gonna put a lightsaber right through you and not even give a shit he's not gonna care oh it just made me not i couldn't watch new hope for a long long time after watching force awakens but i think that's one of the most beautiful scenes in star wars especially when Han Solo touches Kylo Ren or Ben Ben, Ben Kenobi, Ben Ben Solo's face. I think it's just a beautiful moment.
10: You know what? That is that is a very, very good shout. I think so just a personal anecdote for a second. I was given that the job of reviewing that film. And, you know, I don't know if anybody out there knows this, but Empire has a history of sometimes getting Star Wars wrong. Attack of the Clones Five Stars. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> so so it was a I wasn't very, mention it. it was a very nerve-wracking job because they would only let one person see it that morning. Oh, right. Everybody else is going in the evening. They would only let one person see it, but we had to go see it in the morning to meet the press deadline to get the review written. So I had to go on my on my own, but there was going to be no talking about it with colleagues, no sort of, you know, post-game analysis kind of thing. And I was like, I have to get this right, you know? And I was really terrified. I was like, if I give this five stars, first of all, no one's going to believe me. Like, no one is going to trust me. But, um, but if, you know, but I have to do what I think is right, of course. Um, so when that moment happened in that film, I was like, oh, this shit, this might be a five-star film. Oh God, I got I got genuinely stressed out because I thought it was such an incredible scene. Mm. The way it played out, the way they're talking about different things, the way that even if Han guesses what Ben is talking about, he would still act the way he does because he can't act any other way because he's his father and he's his son. I mean, I think it's it's a brilliant piece of writing. It's a great piece of performance and it's a hell of a, body blow to oh. you know 40 years worth of star mm-hmm. wars fans
2: exactly and i love the the metaphor of that the 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 sun and the light slowly slowly go, and then the moment that the light actually disappears oh. it's almost like the light that's what kylo ren's light is gone out mm-hmm. no redemption although well then, it was redemption uh, no, not even end, but, about uh, yeah. but yeah it had to be in my top 10 uh that one for definite Ah, R.A.P. Han.
11: So, uh, back to you, Ollie. then, with your number five, please. Um, Controversial one, I think. Potentially, I was going for Usain Bolt. Why is that controversial? Because track and field. I thought it might have been up there as a kind of sport that wasn't taken seriously. Oh, no. Um, I I mean, he was very close to being in my top ten. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. The reason I'm going to justify the sport, if there's people listening, I think... (sighs) first we had darts, then we had multibart racing, now we've got track and field. Um, <laughs> to those people, I would say the 100 metres, 200 metres, surely that's the oldest sport in the world. Mm. And it's something that, well, I was going to say everybody, but most people can do um, who have oh. legs. <laughs> well, might take longer. It might take but longer, <laughs> yeah. might yeah. take longer but, than others. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Essentially, everyone can run 100 metres, 200 metres the Olympics are the oldest sporting event in the world. It's kind of gladiatorial. Um, and to become the fastest man on the planet, reaching speeds of 25, 26 miles an hour, under 10 seconds, I think it was 9, 9.59 seconds was his record, which still stands today, is the fastest man to have ever lived, not out of the 7 billion people on the planet now, but out of the people who've long gone, some, he's faster than some animals. Yeah. And it's the ultimate sport that anyone can do. Cavemen are probably running, you know, like the side by side with each other, trying to see if you can get to the tree first. You know what <laughs> I mean? It. But, Prove it. Prove uh, it, I, I That's uh, <laughs> a carbon date somewhere. Uh... Show me the footage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the footage
3: cavemen were running away from the dinosaurs. Well, that's what they were doing on the film, I saw
11: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And his it his ne- again, his, his, a bit like Shaquille, I know, a cool, cool name, Usain Bolt. Yeah, Um mm-hmm. It it fits so perfectly. He's got children called Lightning Bolt and Thunderbolt. That's not a joke. That is true. There you go. I mean, um, and yeah, it's the oldest sporting event in the world. Still got the world record in hundred meters and two hundred meters. I think at the was it the London Olympics when he won gold as well. He ate a box of chicken nuggets before that, so relatable.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
11: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he's got like, eight gold medals, twenty three gold medals in all kind of world events, and. He retired at like 32. It's, it's. I don't know. I just, I think because most sports involve running as well, when your sport is just running and you're the best at that. Yeah. That by definition surely makes you the best athlete slash sports person in the world.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt that I don't think there's any controversy to having Usain Bolt there as a sporting icon at all. I think he's, immense in what he does i, I also love seeing the, the video footage of before he starts running when you've got the, his helper oh, yeah. there and he's he's touching fists and pointing at him and all that just that little moment that makes these these people that are just volunteers like make their day make their you know he's very self-aware isn't he? yeah of, absolutely um, how great he is but he's not arrogant you know? No. Not at all, not at all. I think that's a great one. I do, and mm. he would say he was close to being in my top ten, but John Lowe just pipped him to me <laughs> <it. laughs> I'd like to see two. those two in a race. Yeah, I would, I would. Well, then again, I'd like to see Usain Bolt try and get 180 because he maybe exactly can't do that. Probably could
11: actually. While well, well, six, well, six good at everything, yeah. While well, six points deep.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly, exactly. Gone then Neil. You're number five. So another tennis player, and it's Pete Sampras. People seem to have forgotten him nowadays, but we yeah. have to remember he. wasn't 14 major titles 7 Wimbledons he was uh, unbeaten by the time as in you know with the records that he held until he retired obviously it's gone now but um, he and I he had a video game all to himself on the mega drive Pete Sampras's tennis which I was totally addicted to and he was a joy to watch I know Pistol Pete I know he didn't have the greatest charisma on the um, on the on the on the, uh, on the grass or on the court I should say he was um but he was methodical, wasn't he? He'd take them out one by one and yeah. So Pete Sampras, a long forgotten icon, I think, because yeah. mm. he really isn't mentioned very much anymore. Great show. Great. When you shout. watch tennis now, you just nobody sort of talks about him. They talk about Beyond Borgs and your MacInros, even Andre Agassi, but they never seem to bring Pete Sampras into the equation. I don't understand why. Very
2: worthy yeah. top 10, I think. Yeah, yeah it's weird. And it's like Jim Courier was another one as well that went, yeah. that did really well for a few seasons and then just like, disappeared. It's weird how like, you get some yeah. people like that. Uh, David Duval, who was a golfer, seemed to be like red hot for two or three seasons and then just disappeared. Very, mm. very strange. But Absolutely. yeah, I just. But, uh, that is definitely that... a name that. Yeah, he was he was there for
3: seasons, wasn't he? Yeah, the years and years he was winning, wasn't he? He really was, and you know, and like I say, when you watch, if you watch Wimbledon now, they don't tend to talk about him at all, which I find amazing because of what he achieved. So it would have been been
2: the Henman era or the Rosetsky era. That's
11: probably so. It would have been mid nineties to nineties, two thousand two maybe. He was. um, he was the Michael Schumacher of tennis. He just got the job done. Oh, one of the yeah. fastest serves going as well. So I probably should have said when we we're talking about Serena Williams, tennis is my sport. That is the one sport I could confidently beat someone else at. As much as I prefer watching football and mm. playing football, I'm just not that good at it. Tennis, my my granddad was very good, so he taught me. He, played, he represented Devon and um, won trophies and things. And he talked about Pete Sampras all the time as nobody can beat this guy and uh, there was five years where he didn't lose a match I Mm. believe I think he might still have the record for longest consecutive streak maybe but um, he was deadly he was an assassin
2: Mm.
11: Pistol Pete yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah good one Neil
2: good one that's two names there that I haven't heard for years Pete Sampras and Barry Sheenler oh we'll have some more coming up (laughs) oh good that's good then Uh, so my number five was Tiger Woods so we've already spoken about him so, Kevin, you're number four, please.
12: My number four, because I thought I had a lot of, you know, listen to my list and year list as well. It feels like they do skew towards horror and kind of dark twists and all that. So I was racking my brain trying to think of a nice twist. And the best twist I could think of is honestly the Shawshank Redemption, because I remember seeing that and I, you know, fell in love with that movie immediately. It's one of my all-time mm. favourite movies, if not my favourite movie, if push comes to shove. And I couldn't forget when I first saw it, it would have been like 12, just being convinced because it was a prison movie and prison is very bleak and it was prison in olden times, which is even worse to make you wear double denim all day. Awful stuff. <laughs> and I just felt convinced that it was going to be sad, the ending, in some respect, like bittersweet maybe was the best thing I was hoping for. And you know, all throughout the movie, they're kind of gearing you up with the kind of the cycle that you see. And it's just, you know, it's depressing when you're watching a movie, and it's set in like the '30s or whatever. And the cycles they're talking about are still you know as in place, except way more ferocious in 2020s about you know people in America, particularly, being you know, bust in and out of jail, recidivism and stuff like that. It feels like you know, if you're an ex-con, you're destined to be sent back to prison in an yeah. industrialized kind of complex. And the fact that it gives you so much bleakness of all different varieties. And then at the end it goes, you know what? Just as a little treat for you sticking it all the way during this prison drama, the two lads got out in the end and they're going down the beach and they're going to have a drink. And that's (laughs) a lovely way to end your three-hour movie. Good twist.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to get to that point, though, there are a lot of, I mean, literally crawling through shit to get to that point. So you've got you've got to be hanging on the coattails and thinking, <laughs> right? Come on, just uh, even I think that's one of those films that even when you do watch it again and you know what's going to happen, you've got to keep going with it because in the back of your mind you're going, it's okay because everything's going to be all right because they are going to be sat on a beach on a boat and everything's going to be fine. But when you're in watching the movie, even when um, it's that get busy living or get busy dying, I think no, Andy, please don't. Kill yourself! Come on, you've got that. You can do this. You can do mm-hmm. this. And I've watched that film so many times, but in the back of your mind, there's a little bit going. Oh my God, I don't think he's going to get out of this. I think he's going to kill himself. I think something bad is going to happen. You know, but I mean, you can't, can't. Cla- uh, cla- I mean, I, I, I thought about putting it in my top ten, but I just. Couldn't find a space for it. That was the thing. But when you say what you <laughs> yeah. say, it's,
3: it's... Yeah, it's an, an honourable one, definitely. And it's just that you're taken on that journey to get to that reward of that nice twist at the end, aren't you?
12: Yeah, and
2: yeah, the but... bad people get their comeuppance as well. That's the thing.
12: That's it, exactly. You know, the, the heroes get busy living and the baddies get busy being arrested and or dying. Yeah. But I will say I've seen a, a play of the Shawshank Redemption, which was great. But if you ever get offered to go see a 4D screening of that, Think twice,
2: that's all I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, um, Neil, your number four was the Usual Suspects. It was. Uh, and my number four is one that you mentioned earlier on, Neil, but quite sort of uh, being st- stuck up about it, was uh, The Sixth Sense. <laughs> now, I, when we went and saw this, this is one of those movies that I cannot believe nobody spoiled the twist for a while for a while for a long time. And I can remember it was one of the times when you try, when you had to phone up for tickets to the cinema, <laughs> you had to phone up, you know, it's a, it was like, say one for the sixth sense, say two for, so you got uh, one and then it wouldn't, you'd have to keep going and keep going and it'd be sold out all the time. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And the fact that it was sold out all the time, you thought, well, someone's going to say what, what the twist is. And I remember when we watched it in a packed cinema screen and, like, every five minutes, you knew there was a twist, so you were looking for things. All oh, right, that that little kid there has got a little fleck of white hair. He's There's something to do with the twist. It's something to do with him. And you kept going on and on and on. And you were saying earlier on about, you know, you sort of stuck your nose up at the fact that you felt like the twist was quite weak. Well,
3: not weak. It
2: uh, It became... When you first watch
3: the movie, it's a movie that only warrants one watch.
12: Yes. (laughs) Does that make sense? I
3: I
2: completely disagree.
3: No, you see, I find that the twist gets weaker and weaker the more you watch it. That's my point. No, because I always find
2: watching it the second, third, and probably fourth times, the fact that you were watching it and you know that Bruce Willis is in the shot, he doesn't touch anything else around Mm -hmm. him. So it looks like he's in the shot. Whereas to everybody in the shot, he's not there. And when you look at it when he's not there, everything still makes sense when they're talking. Oh, no, I completely agree. So in that that's sense, the thing where it but... gets me is that I, I understand when you watch it again, you sort of go, oh my God, I can see. And the, all of the red stuff, is sort of the. I don't know. I mean, I maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But that's how oh, I, I feel really again.
12: It's in all those movies that kind of the the almost like the culture of its twist devoured any potential like for that movie to ever have a fair shake of being discussed as an actual movie and like I always kind of go back and forth my mind going like ah is it fair to do that to a movie but like I remember distinctly seeing the trailer for this on telly at home and it was like you're gonna get your ass to the cinema and you're not gonna believe this goddamn twist like they were (laughs) they were twist heavy on the marketing like that was what they wanted to get you in there but I, I remember you know no was talking about that no, no was, they didn't you no know, did it was them. like maybe this boy in the playground if you ask him nicely might allude to the twist but that was the last remnants of David Cameron's Big Society was the year where people decided not to tell everyone the twist from the end of The Sixth Sense. And then it fell by the wayside after that.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said,
3: when I first saw it, I thought, fuck, it was amazing. And then I, I think I've only watched it about four to- three times afterwards. And I don't know, it's just the impact... You know, when we talk about films like Psycho, The Usual Suspect, Seven, and all of those that we've talked about, and the twist, the still, the twist still kick a punt. You know, do you see what I mean? They still give you a kick in the guts, and they're like, oh, maybe still, because
12: even this twist you know, isn't like a oh, you know, it's like, oh, it's a really, sh-. it's kind of it's a oh, you know, it's it's that yeah. tone of twist, and maybe. Over the years, that is less impactful than something that you, you know, that's visually very striking immediately or something like that. I mean, it doesn't yeah. help
3: that I'm not a big M Night Shyamalan fan. I don't no, think I can... any of his movies are great.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think he became, like we've said before, a bit of a one trick pony in the fact mm. that he works out the twist and maybe works backwards from that. Mm. Um, I think I think it's Bruce Willis in one of his. Oh, I can't remember what number I had it as on, on our Bruce Willis top ten, but uh, it a was a great in my performance. Top 10. Yeah, from Bruce yeah, Willis and no, Haley Joel Osment. And Tony fantastic, Anthony Collette. Yeah,
12: but really? if you are a one trick pony and the only trick you can do is twist, that horse will have spinal problems later on. In his life. <laughs> <laughs> it's life. Absolutely true. It's very true. Uh, so,
2: but then, if you look at it today, you've got knobheads putting clips of like Doctor Strange on youtube and on uh tiktok and put in the actual name of the twist in the title so you don't get any chance of, of staying away from twists these days
12: yeah, oh, yeah this you know? movie i think is kind of like i don't think that's what i'm saying you know, i feel like the the, the twist and that you know the twist is a meme now you know it's it, it you can't as a youngster watch that movie in a void like unless you go to an actual void i guess
2: yeah 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 so you're right Joe's number three was Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Neil's yeah. number three was Schindler's List. My number three was E.T. All
5: right. I guess we're on a theme here, maybe with the, the children's movies. So, Rainbow Connection by Kermit <gasps> the Frog. Oh. <laughs> it
3: is. It's a lovely song. And yeah,
5: I remember that little banjo in the swamp yeah. gets me every time. <laughs>
2: oh, I didn't even think about this when this would have been in my top 10 without oh, I love this song oh man! I,
8: I, I know how could
3: I
2: have forgotten this one what a, such a great song from a Muppet really yeah oh, Ah, yeah,
8: Williams
0: a beautiful
2: song. It was the guy that wrote it wasn't he say it again Serpa Paul Williams right, like, yeah was the guy that wrote it such a simple Phantom song. Of
5: Paradise and all that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a song! Well it done, Rachel. You, song. yeah, you've Rachel. won the podcast with that one. I think we all forgot that one, didn't we?
5: It nearly could have been my number one. Honestly, it was. It was a real toss-up. I, I do love this song, and yeah, it's hard to hear it without cheering up a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's a great movie as well. It is. I haven't seen the seen it for ages, but I, I need to watch that again oh i gotta stop. <laughs> got yeah. stop that is a great one well done yeah. rachel well done uh go on then neil you're number two so this is a song dedicated to all fathers and father
3: figures out there it's pearl jams man of the hour um i uh it just sums up what a father is to you it's a song for a father um I believe they used it... Uh, well, I, I don't believe. I know they used it at the end of um, Big Fish. Um, you know, the Tim Burton movie. Oh. Um, but obviously I was <laughs> acquainted with it before. And I'm so excited. And I hope, I'm hoping they, sit, they play it when I see them next <laughs> week. After three years, Rachel, I'm finally seeing Pearl Jam. One of my favourite bands. Oh. Yeah, finally. Three year wait because of things. But it's a wonderful song um, I don't think Pearl Jam get the love they still they deserve anymore um, they, they went I mean they're still big when they play live they draw in the big crowds but you don't sort of hear radio play of them anymore and you know they do a lot more of these sort of songs than people know you know um, and I'd highly recommend people checking out their back catalogue and finding things you know like Better Man and Yellow, lead, better, and stuff like that, and yeah, and this song, and especially if you, which you should do, love your dad as much as I you know we love ours, and it's a great song. <laughs> you sounded like I, Alan I, I, then. <laughs> I did. That's why I laugh myself. <laughs> a bop picker's. Yes. Uh, so yeah, um,
5: yeah. Yeah. Any better? His voice, I, I like his solo work quite a bit too, like his yeah. ukulele album or the, the Into the Wild soundtrack. Mm. I think he's...
3: Have you heard his new album, Earthlings?
5: I have not.
3: Mm. You're in for a treat. Invincible, the opening track, mm, I think, okay. is an absolute biner. But you're in for a treat. Go and, go and check it out. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love Pearl Jam so, so much. I've got ink of them
6: on my arm. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Oh, yeah. you're going to have so much
3: fun at this concert. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to rock up at, when the doors open I'm going to stand at the front of the stage. Like, no, no. But
2: I'm excited. <laughs> and there'll be a, something I'm on the screen excited. that'll say, I'm sorry, but they've got coronavirus. The, the gig is off. Can I'm, I'm still...
3: No, I'm still waiting. I've been trying to see them since 1994, Rachel. Everything I've ever done... got in my way so they announced a tour when I'd already booked to go on holiday so I couldn't change so I couldn't go to that about five times they when they've done a tour I haven't been able to get tickets just they sold out before I've ever been able to get them they played Reading Festival once and I couldn't get to go because we were away as it would be in August bank holiday so finally they announced they're doing the Hyde you know the Hyde Park um, gig I booked my tickets Fucking COVID, <laughs> and last year COVID. So three years later, I'm still in. I've, I booked the hotel last week because I finally thought, right, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I think they're playing. They've announced they're in Europe now, so that's leaving it a bit late, though, isn't it? Booking the hotel last week. Yeah, well, I was so frightened that they'd cancel. I didn't want to be stumped again. Oh, I was. Awesome. I booked an Airbnb. And the bastards never gave me my money back so, for the first year. So I wasn't going to do that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked to be seeing them. Really exciting. Good. And you know they put in a good show. They're like Bruce. They do a three-hour show. Do they? Every night, yeah. Yeah,
2: but the difference is oh, that's, wow. that's three hours of Pearl Jam. You've never listened to them. <laughs> I have. I have. They were one of the people, the same as Radiohead, I spent an afternoon at work listening to Pearl Jam. And it never did anything. It never. I. It just. It was. What about it, this song playing now, or
3: what was playing, Man of the Hour?
2: Well, I'll have a proper listen to it, and I'll mm. I'll I'll see what I think. But I just I put like pro jam essentials on the Apple Music, had a listen, and it just didn't penetrate me.
6: Yeah.
2: Are you a fan, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
5: and I have considered uh, seeing. I think Eddie Vetter plays. Not with Pearl Jam, but just solo every year here, Mm. not too far away, about, I don't know, 20 miles away at the Ohana Festival. I I used to almost do it. But I haven't
3: done it yet. So, ah, uh, we'll do it next year. Come on, Pav. We'll take you to Eddie Vedder. I'm coming. Is Let's that before
2: it. or after the Johnny Cash Museum? Wait, no, we'll we'll, we'll can... do it all together. It's <laughs> all, they're all... all quite close. So, we'll be able to drive from one to the other. It's all Yeah. Fine. I mean, on my map of the world, it only looks like it's that far. So, yeah, we so should it won't be all right. We'll <laughs> do that in an afternoon. Um, okay. My number two um, is Fix You by Coldplay. I know it's a Beautiful bit soppy. Song. Um, no also got a great bit where it just builds up at the end um and and this is I love singing this song this is a great song to sing but I do tend to get lost a little bit in it and will just close my eyes and just let it go and just um, as he just said um and not really worry if anybody's dancing to it or singing to it I'll just lose myself and we'll just just go for it because it's just a beautiful beautiful song um I'm wondering whether to play it at the festival that we got in at the end of August do it that. do I it I, might. I think I might too especially if there's loads of people there I think that'd be great that'd be get them to light their lights. that'd be get the, yeah get mm. their get their phones out and and, and do that do but, it don't do angels do this I'm not gonna do angels no do I'm not gonna do angels I'm not gonna do angels don't no because this is a beautiful song yeah. I think it's
3: probably one of Coldplay's best songs
2: I think it is for me it is Coldplay's best song yeah I would mm. I would say that Yeah. Coldplay fan Rachel? I
5: I can't. I can't. I know. I feel like I'm going to be kicked off this podcast, but I do not like Coldplay. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I think the radio here just played them to death. Right. Um, and whatever song was in Grey's Anatomy, the same, it was just like, okay, I can't. Um, Yeah, I, it got overplayed, I think, is what killed it for me.
2: I can't, I can't see that. I'm not... Mm. I, I like... I know, probably half a dozen of their songs. You're the same as me then,
3: Pav. There's a handful that I really like, the Yellow being one, which was an original song, but
2: a lot of them are dire shite. You know, they just... Yeah. Drab, I think is the word. And I think some of them are also written and produced because they're to be played in stadiums. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or they're going to be used in an advert. That's why I get the feeling that some sometimes they're like that. And but also... <clears throat> sorry I
3: was also no, go going on. to say Chris Martin I don't think he's got a very good voice
2: he's not got a classically great voice but he's got again one of those voices as soon as he sings you know it's Chris Martin mm. but he's watching very... some
3: of his live footage I've really not been impressed with his yeah.
2: singing no but then he's not the give a shit he's got, he's got millions think, in the yeah. bank mail, and we're <laughs> yeah. doing a podcast on a Wednesday evening so yeah, you know, I know I'd rather be doing exactly Exactly. Because we would be talking to Rachel. Exactly, especially with Rachel. Although if we have millions, we could be going over and visiting Rachel uh, with that wonderful beach and the wonderful sea. And then go into that festival. Uh, And then go into Johnny Cash's uh, museum, you know. but I'll tell you. Oh, there he is. Look at that. Anybody that is listening to this on the podcast, please go to our YouTube channel and just go and see that because the view is unbelievable. And Rachel wakes up to that every day.
5: I'm so lucky. And actually I have to go back now that we've, we've seen the view. Um, Paul Williams, who wrote rainbow connection. I did say that right. But right. Paul Williams.
6: Yeah.
5: Yep. He apparently lives on that Island over there. No, never, never seen him in the flesh, but that that little man is is on that island. So. Well,
2: I would definitely go I in mean, now, does he own that island? Because he probably has enough money to own that island. I would have thought. <laughs> uh,
5: maybe uh, no, but he he just has a house. Um, and to tell you the truth, the houses there are not uh, especially huge. It's just that they're they all come with docks and uh, you know boat boat property, and they're. Gorgeous and old and beautiful, but uh, yeah, I think the the most expensive house there went for like twelve million or something along those lines. So. Wow, wow. and they're small they're tiny little lots you can reach out and touch your neighbour
2: so really is there is there a bridge from the mainland to the island because I'd love it if there was and it's called the Rainbow Connection I would love that <laughs> wouldn't that be great if they called I would that I suggest that
5: at City Council
2: yeah, there you are, um, yeah. and then you'd, then you'd know that he lives there wouldn't you because you think hang on a minute Rainbow... Paul Williams has got to live here if that's called the Rainbow Connection oh that's fantastic Bethany, what is the number one thing that pisses you off?
1: Number one. Well, let me first just preface it by saying my number two, I only added the adult part with fucked up teeth because it was funny. Not because I really care. It really is just adults with braces. Okay, good. I'm glad we just got that out of my way. Okay, number one, and this is very specific to me. So this may not be relatable. I don't know. Number one is my fiance's fart while I'm sleeping
3: okay <laughs> oh yeah that annoys me as well
1: yeah because they're horrific first mm. of all second of all i'm in bed comfortable and now i need to move because i get physically angry with smelly things i get okay. physically, like i start punching the pillow i yell at him i'm just so pit and by the way i he can fart all day long he does I, like it's just part of being a man but it's something about like I'm always just right about to fall asleep, and then he'll let something out, and the smell just like brings me back awake. And it, I don't know why, but I physically get angry about it. And it's just this poor little gas fart. Like I don't, I mean, I wish it was different. I, I but yeah.
2: And he's it. asleep. I'm assuming.
1: No, no, he's awake. He oh
2: no! Oh right. Okay. So that's
1: why. Also, I get mad because he could have got up. Yeah. And just farted somewhere else, but he doesn't. No. Nope.
3: Can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. Has he ever given you a Dutch oven?
1: (laughs) He knows not to give me a Dutch oven. And let me tell you something about his farts. He doesn't have to. Okay, they permeate right through those sheets. I mean, I don't know what it is. They're magical farts. They're they're they. uh, It's like that Pepe Le Pew thing with the (laughs) with the. You 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 can can physically see it.
8: You can physically see it. it,
1: And it just it goes in your nose whether you want it or not, and then it stays there.
2: Sure. yeah it's like having a full meal it's yeah.
1: just awful yeah no
2: That's i understand number one. that yeah maybe as a as a return to the from the marmite you could get a jar with one of his farts in and send it to us and
1: send it to you guys i would love he would love that
2: it'd be nice i mean i would be interesting to see whether it would travel and, and yeah. I'll let I'll it. let you investigate. That, I'll, right? I'll send I'll you film. Neil's I'll send you Neil's uh, um, address. Yes.
3: And, uh, no, because Bethany might love the Marmite,
2: and then you know I wouldn't... as yeah, far as I'm, far as I'm concerned, I think out. they're gonna they're gonna smell pretty much the same Marmite and uh, your fiance's are farm.
1: they?
2: Yeah. Marmite yeah. and Guff. Not to me, they don't. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Um, right, Neil, you're number one, please.
3: So you've already uh, mentioned it. It's talking in the cinema theatre or other event where specifically where the the, the thing has started, the play, the film, and then somebody decides to talk about what they're going to have for tea. Fuck you, talk about it outside. It really does wind me up. And I do speak up. It's the one thing I do, talk, you know, I will shout at somebody who starts talking in the cinema. to hear it, I do well as well. Yeah, I can't be doing with it. I really can't. I'm like, you know, if you've gone to the theatre, especially in London, you're talking £100 a ticket now, which is quite a lot of money. I don't want to spend that and listen to Doris in th- front of me telling me how she's going to knit a new bloody jumper for a
2: boyfriend. It's piss off. Just piss off. And that sounds very it.
6: specific.
2: I was going to say, what show are you going to? There's £100 a ticket. Hamilton. People... Are, <laughs> people
3: <laughs>
2: doing well, it was. For boyfriends. Goodness. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's
3: just... It's always an inane conversation that really doesn't need to be had. Yeah, and it's rude. Always. And it is rude. And, you know, there's... 500 people watching the same thing as you and everybody else manages to shut up, why can't you? Yeah. And that's all it is.
2: Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, My number one is all politicians, all politics, doesn't matter if it's left-wing, right-wing, conservative, Labour... It's just all of it gets on my tits. They are all for themselves, not for the people. It doesn't matter whether it's British, whether it's American. It's quite simply that they are, they all just want power and they don't really, really care about the the people. Career politicians. Are so, yeah, well, it's just all of them. And mm-hmm. as much as I'm, I'm sure there are wonderful people that have morals and want to do, but I think as soon as they get in the system, they are just for themselves. Um, you've only got to see what's happening in this country at the moment in regards to all of a sudden people were backing Boris. Now they're all fighting to be the, the prime minister. You've got to see what's happening in America with the Supreme Court and all of that bullshit. And it's, it's it's ridiculous and disgusting. And the fact that it's mainly old white men telling everybody how the world should be and not looking at what needs to be done. And that I think, and and I think if people were able to sort things out properly, the world would be a better place. More people would have more money, more mm. more resources, and I think it's just it's just greed. Um, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, my number one is greed as opposed to politicians, but they're all assholes as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh yeah anybody like I say we don't really want to go into politics I, I was very reticent to put it in as number one Neil but and I just,
1: I just made the same face we're like Mm-mm.
2: yeah <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have top 10 political issues as a not as yeah don't. top 10
1: politics hates yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. politics
2: hates yeah it would be yeah. good now we've got a few honorable mentions but I know that Bethany you need to to get away so should we say goodbye to you bethany
1: yes please i have Is to that go. okay
2: yeah bethany thank you so much for joining us on our 50th episode yes be honestly, Bethany, so
1: honored to be here on your 50th an- uh, in that anniversary episode like it's i'm so tickled it's amazing i'm i'm I hope I'm on several more. I love you guys. I think you're fantastic. Thank you. Oh, you
2: would, we, we would love to have you back anytime. Always welcome. We'll find another nice meaty uh subject to uh maybe top ten political.
1: Maybe top
2: ten meats. Who knows? Top ten meats wouldn't that be yeah. a great one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top Ten of Anything podcast. Let's
12: start the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6,
2: 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: 1. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.